Hello, I'm Andy McLenahan, and welcome to the first episode of Let's Talk Social Work of 2024. Before we get started, I want to let you know about the Have Your Say Workforce Survey for social workers and social care workers in Wales. Commissioned by Social Care Wales, the survey aims to build a detailed picture of what it's like to work in social care in Wales today. All responses are anonymous and the results will help to shape support services and highlight important issues to policymakers in Welsh Government. Please share with your colleagues and encourage as many people as possible to take part. You can find out more online at www.socialcare.wales forward slash have your say 2024. And I'll include that link in the show notes for this episode. Now, today I'm in Derry in Northern Ireland to learn about a fantastic co-produced training project which equips social workers to better support families affected by addiction. My guests and I will explore the effects addiction has on families, discuss the first-hand impacts that social work involvement can have when a parent is struggling with addiction, and examine why a service user-led approach is critical to increasing understanding and delivering real improvements in outcomes for children and families. I'm really pleased to be here with Sarah Lee, Claire White and Sarah Meenan. Sarah Lee is a parent and expert by experience who was instrumental in creating the Meet Me Where I'm At project, which we'll be discussing today. Claire and Sarah are both social workers with the Western Health and Social Care Trust based in Derry. Sarah Lee, Sarah, Claire, welcome to Let's Talk Social Work. How are you guys doing? I was going to say it's good to have you here. You're hosting me. I'm in your house. Um, Sarah Lee, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Andy. Good. Thank you for being here. Claire, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Good, good. Looking good. forward to being involved in this. Good. And see you like, what's happening? Good, good. Yeah? Yeah. All good. Everyone's feeling nice and relaxed, yeah? Everyone's feeling totally on top of things. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Do we ever? It's going to be absolutely great. So I'm really interested to learn more about the Meet Me Where I'm At project. That's what we're going to be discussing today. It's really, really interesting. It seems to have delivered real meaningful change, both for uh, social workers and also for um, the experts by experience who've been involved. So I want to start at the beginning, Sarah Lee. Can you tell me about Meet Me Where I'm At? Uh, how did the project come about? Um. Well, Andy, I'm part. I'm a member of the Parents Forum, which is based in Chantal and Derry Family Centre. Um, I joined the Parents Forum quite a number of years ago now, and um, just by voicing my experience, um, it came about that you know it was acknowledged that social workers didn't know enough about addiction, and. Um, it just developed, uh, you know, it just grew. Um, so it did, and it was uh, recommended that a training programme was put together for social workers, um, and that's where Claire and Sarah come on board and worked with myself and a couple of other parents who um, are in, have their own experience of addiction. Um, we all came together, worked together, um, and developed. ended up developing this training programme, which is just kind of grown <laughs> wonderful and what did you want to achieve Sarah Lee what was your vision um to be honest Andy I never thought we'd be sitting here <laughs> um I never thought I never you know envisioned a training program um I just joined the parents forum to voice my concerns of my own experience um you know uh, uh, it wasn't to get at social workers or anything like that it was just to voice my own experience and you know uh, hopefully, you know, educate others, you know, so that what I went through with my child, you know, I don't want other people going through that. Yeah. You know, and we will discuss in a bit more detail later on, Sarah Lee, your experience as much as you're comfortable doing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the parents forum at Chantalo Family Centre, and that was key to the development of the project. Yes. So when you're thinking about the parents that are involved in that forum, what is the general sense from those parents regarding social workers' understanding of their lived experiences, you know, particularly in relation to addiction? They haven't a clue. Um, you know, social workers, they don't understand addiction at all. Um, and that's not their fault either, Andy. You know, um, when I came on board in the parents' forum, you know, I found out a lot more. You know, I have my own experience, but I found out a lot more. And social workers are not trained in addiction. You know, so they send a social worker out to me. They can't help me. 
you know, they're not educated on it. They have no knowledge of it unless they have their own life experience. And even then that can bring up problems because their own life experience might not be a positive one. Um, so, you know, if they want to help the parents, then they need to have knowledge on the parents' problems. So in terms of the result of that lack of understanding of addiction that you, you perceive, um, Sarah Lee, how does that affect assessments and outcomes for families? Not very good. Um, you know, it's very much a tick box, you know, uh, session when they come out, you know, and you can't do that. Everybody's individual and everybody has their own journey, you know, and um, it doesn't work. Tick box doesn't work. You know, it's it's not as simple as that. <laughs> if it was, you know, there'd be a hell lot more people in recovery. Yeah. Sarah and Claire, when you both trained, did you have any sort of focus on addiction as part of your degree course? Not specifically addiction. You'd have learned about the cycle of change and about motivational interviewing, but not necessarily about addiction and about the, I suppose, the root cause and the impact of trauma on addiction. So okay. And would you have valued that input at the start of your career? Absolutely. Like the more that you know, but you have to remember your degree is three years or mine was two years because it was a accelerated route. <clears throat> it can only cover so much, but... It would have absolutely have supported people and that's why we now take it into the universities because we feel that it is beneficial for people to have it before they get out and are doing the work. Yeah. And I suppose when you think of the kind of the impact that addiction has in terms of at the root of so many social problems that social workers are engaging with, whether it is the cause or an exacerbating factor, it, it seems to be surprising that it isn't better understood, kind of more central to social work education. What do you think, Claire? I suppose I would reiterate what Sarah, what Sarah just said. I think it's about lack of opportunities and the, what this project has done and the training that it provides is help people to really understand the complexities around addiction and how it doesn't just affect the person with addiction and how it affects the family as well. So I think what this training does is something that maybe couldn't be taught in the degree and I think that's because it's the experts by experience as you described the parents forum members it's it's what they bring to it it's the fact that it was their idea and it's them who have designed it and it's them who deliver it and that's what makes it so powerful yeah and Sarah Lee was instrumental in, in pulling this together or initiating initiating the whole project had you uh, as social workers had you seen this as a training need prior to Sarah Lee flagging it up or was this very much new to both of you um <clears throat> I think I think it was a gap. It absolutely is a gap. But I think because it is such a um, such a big thing within our society that we assume that we know how to manage it and we assume that um, we know about it. I know myself as a gateway social worker, I would have believed that I was empathetic and that I understood. And addiction impacts so many people in the Western Trust and in Northern Ireland that when you're going out, you're you're giving people the best that you have but what I've learned from this training is that actually we don't know about the root cause we don't know about the individual experiences and we don't know about that journey to recovery because sometimes there's a preconceived notion that it's a choice or that it's a mental health difficulty as opposed to looking at trauma that people have experienced within their lives and we we aren't really digging deep into that. Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, for listeners listening across the UK may not be well aware, Northern Ireland has a, a deep and troubled history, but a real legacy even, you know, many decades on from ceasefires and, and peace processes that is rooted in intergenerational trauma, which I'm sure you guys see yeah. as social workers working with children and families in Northern Ireland is a reality. Um, and it's something that may be misunderstood elsewhere in the UK. Just wanted to come back to one thing. Sarah, you said you're gateway social worker, is that right? Yeah. Just for people who may not know what gateway team is, can you explain that very briefly? So gateway is the initial assessment team. So if you have a concern about a child, that is the first place that you would contact to raise that concern and then what they do is they do the initial assessments um that's a 10-day assessment and that really at that stage is to consider whether or not there's no further intervention whether you're signposting it on to community support services or if you need to refer on then to the family support teams or the generic teams as we're going now the family and child care teams um for a longer term assessment okay 
Um, I want to ask uh, Claire and Sarah, when um, Sarah Lee was talking about the lack of knowledge of social workers in relation to addiction, I recognise that there's that can be a bit uncomfortable when you have somebody who's flagging up something which is... I, don't, I know it's not meant as a criticism, it's, it's uh, Sarah Lee's experience and it's absolutely valid and this is why we're here talking about this project, but do you find that personally challenging when you have, do you feel you have to kind of check a defensiveness when somebody flags up a lack of understanding? Yes and no. Um, I don't, there's times, not with Sarah Lee, there are times in the past, maybe if you've ever been at a CMR event, you do become de- defensive. CMR, of your, sorry. Sorry, I knew you were going to do this to me. Um, <laughs> I did say to everyone before, no acronyms. Me. It's a case management review. Yes, okay. Sorry. So if there, if there has been an incident um, or a, a death of a child, then there's a, a case management review. But anyway, if you've ever been at one of those, it can't, you do feel defensive of yourself as an individual. You are defensive of social workers in general. But there are times when I listen to Sarah Lee speaking and I do feel uncomfortable. I go, oh, did I do that? Was that me? Is that something I've done and said? But for me, that's really important to include within the training because I will say, I did write this in reports. I did think this. And it's to create a psychologically safe environment for the learners. Yes. And I'm going to flag something up. Sarah Lee was talking about her experience. And I talked about Sarah Lee's perceived uh, perception of a lack of understanding. And I, I think I should check that and say sorry, because you were talking about your experience. And I was trying to, in some way, I didn't realize at the time until it came out of my mouth, I was probably being defensive of the colleagues that I represent. So I'm sorry about that, Sarah Lee. No, you're okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Fine. <laughs> but I think it's important to kind of, yeah. Not, not let anything kind of lie uncovered Sorry, when there's been I a mistake made. <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs> you do. Yes. Um, now, let's see. I want to talk about the pro- programme. I want to talk about co-production. We've talked about co-production on the podcast before. And so often what it gets called co-production, I'm particularly thinking of um, initiatives by government departments. What's often called co-production just doesn't live up to its name. It's about involving people with lived experience in a predetermined program sometimes, sort of to give it a stamp of authority, rather than involving them from the very first step. So I want to ask you all, but we'll start with Sarah Lee, why was a co-produced approach so important to you? Um, and why was seeing co-production as much more than just an opportunity to tell your story, you know, an opportunity actually to shape the whole process? Why was that so important, Sarah Lee? Well, Andy, my ex- my experience at the beginning with social workers uh, wasn't a good experience. Anybody that's un- involved with social workers, you know, it's not because your life's all rosy in the garden. You know, there's obviously issues there. Um, but I had social workers um, asking me, you know, um, what does this mean? What does a slip mean? You know, um, they were asking me about my alcoholism. Um, and, you know... In, the, in their defence, they were trying to educate themselves in my illness um, to try best to help me, you know. And um, there's a lot of people out there that suffer from addiction, especially in this town, you know. And it was important for us as parents, um, and there's a member as a grandparent, to share our story, not just to get our voice heard, but to educate, to get knowledge out there for people to have an understanding of where we're actually coming from, you know, and I believe the more people are educated, the more knowledge is out there, then the social workers that are going out and knocking on the doors, the more equipped to help the parents. You know, as I always say, my child was never the problem, Andy. I was the problem. You had the problem. I had the problem. Um, I was the one needed the help and the support. I needed the guidance. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what it was. And I, do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, I was spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally on the ground. And I needed guidance and support. And the social workers at the time, you know, and rightly so, make sure the child's safe. I understand that completely. But if you want these children to be okay, then you need these parents to be okay. So you need to be able to help these parents and guide these parents. So by all of us parents sharing our voices and sharing our stories as as given others, you know, hope as well. You know, um, I had never known anybody 
that was involved in social services. I had never known anybody. To well, maybe it. nobody who talked about it. Yeah. We were actually discussing this before we started. The difficulty often with explaining the role of specific services is that often if somebody has been involved um, in, a, in, a, in a family support context, they probably don't want to talk about it. But mm-hmm. many people will have been involved that we just don't know about. Yeah. No, well, since I've, you know, uh, gone through the system um, and come out the other end, you know, I do get people approaching me a while lot, mm-hmm. and I do know a lot of people now, you know, and I would actually help people would come to me for advice because they know I've been through the system. And that's why I do this, because if I can help one more mommy, one more daddy, one more child, you know, have a positive outcome, then by me telling my story, then that, then it's worth it. Brilliant. Thank you, Sarah. Um, Claire, why was having service users and people with ex- experts by experience central to this process? Why was that so important to you? Well, it's hard to really, um, I think Sarah Lee has hit the nail on the head. It's, it's hard to, uh, I suppose, build on that. But I would agree with you that sometimes co-production is tokenistic and, and people are invited in when decisions have been made. And that's really the opposite of what we've done uh, together as a group. Um, we've often talked recently about how we feel more partners in this now rather than uh, service users and social workers or experts by experience or any other labels that people might choose to um, see us as. But I think the bottom line is the this idea originated primarily from Sarah Lee, but from others as well in the Parents for, Forum. They identified the problem. They identified a gap. They knew what the solution was. We've merely facilitated it and we've we have uh, ways that we can share it. Um, co-production can be perceived as messy and uncomfortable and maybe even a bit risky. And sometimes, Sounds like social work. <laughs> well, yeah, and it is. And I think sometimes people would prefer to avoid that. And, you know, as trainers, Sarah and I, I think something that we share in common is that we don't just want to put up a PowerPoint on a screen and present it. Anybody can do that. We want our training not just to educate people, but to change minds. And this training absolutely does that. It touches people. It um, moves them. And, you know, Sarah and I could never do that. That the reason that people are moved is because they hear directly from the people who have walked the walk Mm -hmm. and they know what we need to know about and what we need to better understand. So that's that's what I think. So maybe Sarah, I'd ask you more specifically in terms of the role the parents played in deciding the learning outcomes. Could you reflect on that? Um, they started it. We came afterwards. So they they obviously meet regularly and they were talking about what they felt that social workers need. So somebody had that, or I think it was um, Nikki Fallon from the Parents Forum had come to our manager to say, we've identified a need. These guys want to be involved. Is there a platform for you guys? So that's when Claire and I got involved then. But they were very clear about what their outcomes were. They were very clear what they wanted um, people to hear and people to know. They knew who they wanted to be involved in it. Um, Not who they didn't want involved, but very clear about who they wanted. But all Claire and I did was give them the platform. Yeah. So can you summarise those learning outcomes? Um, Just for better understanding of what, um, what it's like to number one, have an addiction, and number two, to travel the journey of recovery because there's a lot about the journey of recovery that I certainly didn't know until I started this. I thought it was, like Sarah Lee says, and I, and I roll my eyes because it makes me cringe. It's one of those examples where you, I suppose as a social worker who is safeguarding children, the child is the focus, but the parent is told, go and get sober. And that's what Sarah Lee was told, go and get sober. But really what we needed to know was what that looked like and how someone in the recovery journey is totally stripped down and then built back up again and what that looks like. And as a social worker, we didn't, I didn't understand that. And a lot of the social workers didn't understand that. So that was one of the learning that essentially was the second outcome. You mentioned uh, Sarah telling the parents not I don't mean directly telling them like this but go and get sober surely there is some support to do that it must be hard to just go from having an addiction to being in recovery getting sober is there what support is provided for that process so 
people are signposted and I can see Sarah Lee shaking her head. Sarah Lee, you tell me. me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm shaking my head um, because, you know, when my involvement was, it was exactly what Sarah just says. My child was taken off me and I was told, go and get sober and you can have your child back. And I didn't know how to get sober. (laughs) I'd never had to get sober before. Um, And again, as I say, when this happened, I was mentally, emotionally and physically on the ground. And as I say, I didn't know how I was going to get sober. And I was literally told at the beginning, go and get sober, stay sober for six weeks and you can have your child back. My child was taken a month before her second birthday. It was four years before I got my child back, you know. And I wasn't given direction. I wasn't given, um, you know, go here, go there. And again, that's not the social worker's fault. They didn't have that knowledge to pass on to me. Um, But when you're coming out to the door and knocking to help somebody like me, the social worker needs to be armed with the tools, with the knowledge of where to send that person for the help that they specifically need. And Sarah Lee, I kind of want to reflect on how it felt when you had the social work involvement in your family where your child was taken into care. And I don't want you to say anything more than you're comfortable saying. Yeah, um, no but I think this is an area we, I think we need to look into more, you know, kind of the emotional impact. What, what was that like as a parent to initially have that involvement and then to have your child taken into care? I was very blessed. My child was taken care by family and she wasn't in the foster care system. Okay. I was very lucky. Um, and I'm very grateful for that today um, to my family for, you know, taking care of my child. Um, as I say, she was taken a month before her second birthday and she was only away from me from four nights from she was born. It was horrendous. You know, I've never felt pain like it in my life. Um, I closed her bedroom door and I never entered that bedroom for six months later. Claire and Sarah, that emotional impact that Sarah Lee's describing so so powerfully, is that something that social workers tend to be cognizant of? Or in the busyness of um, safeguarding and child protection work, does that can that be compartmentalised as a sort of another issue that's not your focus, you know, the impact on the parent? Um, I think when you've just described about the busyness there, and I suppose that is one of the disadvantages, um, Social workers have to move, especially in child protection services, they have to move at a fast pace. So it's difficult to have a full understanding and it's difficult really to to get it, to, to get how complex that is and how hard that is. And I suppose the fact that we deliver this training over a full day gives people an opportunity to reflect on the way they've been required to practice before and to recognise the, the importance of pausing and thinking about it's, it actually we have a, created a, an activity as part of this training. We encourage people to think, to pause and think before they go out to that house, and to think about the title of this training, which is "Meet Me Where I'm At." Um, I suppose it's a wee bit similar to what we learn in our social work degree when we're encouraged to what we describe as tune in to what that person might be feeling. And in the busyness, we sometimes don't take enough time to do that. But this training does, I suppose, encourage people to to stop and think about what that person might be feeling before they go out to the house. So as well as increasing understanding of addiction and recovery, Sarah Lee, in terms of the learning outcomes, having an improved understanding of the emotional impacts on parents, was that was that one of your learning outcomes that you wanted to be front and centre of this pro- project? Oh, 100%, Andy, 100%. You know, I understand social workers are snowed under. They're snowed under with cases, you know, and um, they they don't have time. They don't have time. And, you know, me, myself and the other parents in, the, in uh, the forum, we all understand social workers can't be everything. They can't be addiction counsellors. They can't be drug counsellors. You know, they can't be mental health counsellors. You know, they can't be all them things. You know, their main priority is the children. Um, but they need to be armed with the knowledge of what is out there to support these parents? Where to direct these parents? You know, when you get as low as I was, I had lost everything. I'd lost all my family, all my friends. I had nobody. 
I think, you know, at one stage, the only person that I was speaking to was a social worker. And I needed guidance then. I needed that support. And I needed to be shown what I needed to do. But they weren't armed with the knowledge that we now deliver in this training programme. And Sarah, come come to you. In terms of your your understanding of the emotional impacts, was that something you have um, that's developed for you through this training? I think... Um I think it's easy when somebody's presenting with anger that you assume that that emotional impact is that they're angry at you. But when you unpick that, that's not anger. It's it's fear and it's, you know, that confusion and frustration. And there's a whole load of things. And I think what the training has done, because you also run the, the risk of sympathizing as opposed to empathizing. And that's what the training, I think, does is that it just takes it down another layer so that you're really understanding really what it's like what the emotional impact is and that hopefully in the future that people will be more empathetic and ask the difficult questions and when people are coming at them angry that they're I I do think we've come a long way in social work for I qualified 15 years ago and I think the social worker I am now compared to what I was then is very different we're very trauma-informed but this training I think just gives it an extra an extra layer. Were you surprised by anything you learned through this process? I I, I was surprised by all of it. I, and uh, the training, as Claire says, allows for reflection. And when I reflect on the person that the social worker I was, because I, I was gateway, and I believe that other people are doing that as well. I think that they're stopping and pausing. What I learned from listening to everybody, the experts by experience, is the value of the relationships, number one, and number two, the the importance of being one the, of, of one person that was there for them. Everybody, they didn't. We recorded the initial um, interviews because we were in lockdown, so they were all separate. And what came out was every last one of them spoke about one person in their life that made a difference, that made them see feel seen and heard, and give them the the strength to be able to continue. And for me, that I've got goosebumps. It was very powerful. And that's what I learned that. And we pull that out in the training. If you take nothing away other than you could be that one person for that, for the people in front of you. That's wonderful. Now, in terms of the importance of relationships, that's so essential in terms of practice. But in terms of the relationships between you guys, uh, there's obviously a real well, I was going to say respect. There's obviously a real affection between everyone here and the, the the project you've taken forward has been so impressive. But how important were these relationships to the project and making it happen? And, and Sarah Lee, maybe you could talk about um, the other parents involved in Chantalo as well. Um, well, all of us as parents, you know, we all are in the parents' form because we want our stories heard. We want our voices heard. We want our experiences heard. Um and it's not that we're there to, you know, bash up social workers. You know, we just want things to change, you know, and social workers get a hard time, you know. And to be honest, <laughs> most of it's not fair. You know, my um, my relationship with these two, especially because we're, you know, it's really grown. I don't feel like an underdog. I feel like an equal, you know, for a long time in my life, especially being an alcoholic you feel like an underdog. You get locked down on. You get judged. Um, especially when it's a woman that loses her child. You know, and that's an alcoholic. Oh my God, it's a You know, um, and society judges you. And then you feel judged then by social workers. Um, in the parents' forum, it was Nikki Fallon who started the parents' forum. Um, she's retired now. And it's now Grania. Jackson and Helena Shields run it and we are very very close to them Um, I'm close to the other parents we've all bonded we're all now friends you know it's like a group of friends and you know I've had some of the parents phone me and you know say this that and the other and you know and I'll phone them and we all come together and we share our experience and we support one another um, Suzanne Mahan, um, the Assistant Director of the Western Trust, she also chairs our meetings, uh, quarterly meetings. And any views, any points, any, you know, um, issues that any of the parents has, she takes it on board. And as I say, you know, she takes it to the bagwax 
you know. Does anything <laughs> so ever get strained between uh, in the planning or has it all been very cordial? It hasn't. To be honest with you, the relationship's just completely grown. You know, um, I feel completely comfortable with Claire and Sarah that I can say, you know, anything day if I'm not happy with something. Same as the other parents that are involved in it. They'll just say, you know, hi, listen, I'm not too fussed in that or I don't really like that. And it's like, right, no problem, guys. Let's do it this way. Um, no, we've just, to be honest, the relationship has grown. Like when I meet social workers, I still have a wee bit of a barrier up. Um and that's just because of my own experience. And all other parents that I speak to, we feel all exactly the same. But by being in the parents' forum, by working with these social workers, by doing this addiction training, we've grown an understanding of where social workers are coming from as well and what you know issues that social workers themselves face. But again, Andy, when you're getting that knock on the door, you don't really give to, you know what I mean? If what that problem what that social worker's problem is you don't care if they've got 20 cases all you care about is your case and your child you know because of where I'm at now in my recovery and where I'm at with working with the parents form working with social workers I understand that now but for a social worker who's going to go out and knock on the door to somebody like me you know I was one of them ones the social workers always talk about you know knocking on the doors and hoping the person's not on um, I was one of them people they didn't want to answer the door to me. Um, as Sarah says about the anger, that comes from fear. And in, in relation then to the, the situation you were in, um, Sarah Lee, and you're now in recovery from alcohol addiction, if we can kind of focus specifically on addiction, people may not be aware of the challenges that people face when living with an addiction. Can we talk about that a little bit? What was your experience like? What was life like day to day when you were living with addiction? Um... Before my little gear was taken, um, I was working part time. Um, I was a single parent. Me and her father had separated. Um, uh, my little gear was in a childminders. And funny, last night I was just taking a few notes and thinking about this. I had a big brown handbag. And I used to finish work and get a taxi. And I would never have taken my child into an off license. Wouldn't have dreamed of doing that. And I used to get the taxi to stop at the off-licence so I could get the bottles of wine. But I specifically chose this big brown bag so that I could put the bottles of wine in the brown bag so that nobody would see me in the street getting out of the taxi going under the house with my wine. You know, when I woke up in the morning, I thought about drink. I couldn't wait until I finished work so that I could get home knowing that that bottle of wine was there. Now, I thought... In my head at that time, I thought this was okay. You know, I wouldn't have opened that bottle of wine until my little girl was asleep in bed. And I used to count down the minutes for her bedtime so I could get that bottle of wine opened. And that completely changed. And I think it was mentioned earlier on, in terms of misconceptions, the term lifestyle choice was, was used. And that's been used at government level by people who are, you know, street sleeping as well. Uh, so it goes right to the top. That's not a lifestyle choice. You were it making, does not. Sorry. It does not, Dante. Yeah. You know, nobody, I do not believe anybody out there would choose to be an alcoholic and love the way we loved. Any alcoholic that I've met has serious trauma. Serious trauma. Um, now that trauma can be in adulthood. M me personally, my trauma started from early childhood. And I continued right through into adulthood. Um, as I said, as I was counting down the seconds to my little girl went to sleep, you know, that totally changed. So you are living with trauma and you're living with addiction. When social work uh, involvement, when social workers become involved in your family, surely that then is going to exacerbate the stress that you're already feeling. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of keen to know how does, how does social work or how can social work involvement affect um, a person's problematic use of alcohol or other drugs? Um, well, when my little girl was ticking, um, all bets were off in, you know, um, I thought I was controlling my drinking when I had her, you know, um, and my care, um, when I didn't have her on my care, I was given no hope that I was going to get her back. So to be honest with you, I just thought, Hey, let's go for it. Do you know what I mean? 
I don't have to get up in the morning and I don't have to get up in the middle of the night and change her nappy. You know, she's gone and they're not giving her back to me. Um, I had a hole in the middle of my stomach and I never felt physical pain like it in my life. And the only way I knew to get rid of that pain was to take a drink. And what changed then, Sarah Lee, because you are in recovery now? Um, after my little gear was taken, um, I went on to rehab, residential rehab, Northland Centre in Derry. Um, and I done six weeks residential in there. Um, they provide then a two year aftercare programme, um, which I didn't receive because I didn't do it the way I was meant to do it. As I always say, don't do it the way Sarah Lee done it. Do it the way they tell you to do it. I done it the hard way. Um, I relapsed four weeks after coming out of Northlands. And I was marched back in there with my mommy. Okay. <laughs> like I was going to see the principal of the school, the, the counsellor. And I was given one-on-one. I had to have one-on-one. I wasn't allowed to join aftercare. Um I was special, I suppose. <laughs> they say I needed one-on-one for quite some time. Um, and I had to do it, uh, a 12-step program. Not that I had to do it. You know, you're given a choice then. You know, I had a choice then to put the work on or keep drinking. And that was it. Um, for a year and a half, I was thrown into the court system very pretty early. Um, and my case was really early and that was terrifying again. I had no knowledge of it. I'd never been to court before um, and it was really scary. You know, there's all this la- lingo that they talk and solicitors talk and then all this social workers talk and I'm educated and I, I can read and write, but I didn't understand half the stuff they were saying. And because you're so emotionally involved, you know, when you're going onto them meetings, all you hear is what a bad mammy you are. And nobody can beat me up more than I beat myself up, you know. And it was constantly what a bad mammy you are, you know, and all the bad things that I had done. You know, I never chose to be alcoholic. I never dreamed in my life that my little girl would be taken away from me. Never, you know. But that is, it is what it is. It happened, you know. Um, I, I relapsed for a year and a half afterwards. Um, I might have got six weeks sobriety. And then drank. Um, I think the longest I got was 14 weeks. And I drank again. Um, and all through that time I was arrested. I was hospitalised. Which none of them things had ever happened to me before. This all happened after she was taken. You know. Um, I remember coming out of case conference meetings. And all I wanted to do was go and drink. Because for 20 odd years... That's all I'd known to do. I didn't know any other way. I needed to be shown how to love a sober life. I needed directed and guided. Um, My last drink was not my worst drink. Um, But I woke up that morning and there was empty bottles of wine. There was a half a bottle of wine opened and a full bottle. And there was a mobile phone. And I just knew that morning that if I didn't pick up that mobile phone and I picked up that drink, that I was going to the cemetery. I picked up the mobile phone, I poured the drink down the sink and I spoke to somebody. Within an hour, that person was at my door. They sat with me for about three hours and they come back that night to me. And from that day, I haven't lifted a drink. Sarah Lee, that's incredibly powerful, and thank you so much for sharing. Um, Sarah Lee Claire, from, from what Sarah Lee's explained about her experience, the question I want to ask you guys is, you know, does the social work response tend to focus too much on the impacts of an addiction rather than the origins that Sarah Lee's explained? It depends where you're working. Um, for me, as a gateway social worker, the impact needed needs to be considered because you have to remember we have to safeguard children. Um, but it needs to go in tandem with the origins. And when you listen to Tommy um, Canning, who is from the Northlands and is part of the training event, he very clearly talks about how the Northlands process is about looking at the impact and part of the recovery is exploring the impact and making amends. And then also 
looking at the origins and literally bearing warts and all. So if you're a social worker in the children world, then you need to be looking at the impact and looking at how you can support the parent. But if you're a social worker in the adult world, you probably need to be looking at the origins. It's like peeling back an onion. Um, Makes you cry. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, a good counsellor that was in Northlands um, with me. Um, he explained it one day and he says, the top layer, that's just the drink or your substance. You know, I, I talk about drink because that was my issue, but anything goes, especially in this town now at the minute. Um, but it's like an onion. The top layers, just the drink. You have to peel back at each layer to get right to the core of the problem. And then you deal with that core of the problem and then they build you back up again. You know, my granny, God rest her, she thought I was having a great time in Northlands because I was taking swimming and I was taking to yoga. And But they strip you back. They bury you to the bone. And they make you realise because we blame. I blamed everybody. It was my mother's fault. It was my father's fault. It was this one's fault. You know, um, I had to come to realise, you know, I was the one that continued to take that drink. I had to stop blaming and I had to look at me. Um, and that is a really, really hard thing to do um, because we don't like ourselves very much. You know, I couldn't have looked in a mirror. I hated me and that's the truth. I did not like me. And at one point I thought my little girl was better off without me. You know, and that's a case for a lot, a lot of parents out there. You know, and it's... Um, Recovery is really, really hard. And that's why some people don't make it. You know, I've stood beside enough gravesides. I've went to enough funerals. I've seen enough children burying their parents. I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm really, really, really blessed um, that I made it and that my daughter isn't standing beside my grave because that could have easily been the case. And Sarah, if we look at where you're at now, you're delivering training helping others to learn from your experience. Have you found the the project, Meet Me Where, Meet Me Where I'm At, have you found it empowering to be involved in this in this work? Oh, 100%, 100%. You know, um, I never find it easy telling my story. Um, there's times I can tell my story and I'm absolutely fine. And then there's other times I tell my story and it, you know, hits right to the core of my stomach, you know. But you see the social workers on the training day, you know, and they come up to myself and the other parents and they thank us. You know, we've seen them sitting in tears, you know, um, and they come up and they just say, we never realised, we never understood that. You know, I'm going out to a parent who's exactly the same as you were. Have you any advice for me? How can I help? You know, and I can see, and the other parents, we can see that this training programme is making a difference. We are educating just by sharing my experience. Like, I have no degrees in social work. I don't have a degree, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, you know, we don't have letters after our names or anything else. What we do have is our own experience. And by going into the universities, even the students come up afterwards and says, you know, this was the best thing that we've had through our whole degree. This has, you know, this has given us the most knowledge through our whole degree just by listening to you parents, you know. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I'm interested, Sarah and, and, and Claire, in terms of your role to keep um, Sarah Lee and the other parents safe in this, I mean, you guys obviously have a duty to make sure that the, the experts by experience are safe. So how, how does that, what does that entail? So... I think the fact that we've developed these good relationships that, that Sarah Lee described, we're very open and honest with each other. We have these conversations. We check in with, with Sarah Lee if we're suggesting that we do something like we're doing today. We check in with her how she feels about it. They have a choice all along and we will support them. And as Sarah Lee mentioned, Helena and Gronya and the other members of the Parents Forum support each other as well. But, you know, I, I wanted to pick up on something that Sarah Lee mentioned there earlier on about how people feel in the room when they're hearing about this training. In the last couple of months when we've delivered this, we've included a slide 
a quote from Brene Brown, which is, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. And I think how honest and authentic Sarah Lee and the other members of the Parents Forum are when they're sharing their experiences. It takes a lot of courage. It's really brave. And as, as Sarah Lee mentioned, people are really moved. Um, I think it also helps social workers and everybody in that room to feel brave as well and to be able to look at what we do and what we could do better and how we could improve. So, you know, we learn from the Northland Centre and from Sarah Lee and everybody else that there is shame associated with addiction. And it's very hard to recover and to become sober when you feel ashamed of yourself and, and you, you know, you feel like the underdog, as Sarah Lee described it earlier. So, you know, that's why I think this training is so powerful, because we create, a, as Sarah described, a psychologically safe place for people to be honest. And I think that's also why our relationships haven't become strained. We can be completely honest with each other. We're not afraid to be honest with each other. Um, and I think that's why it works. And have you seen attitudes shift in the work in, in the workshops with the social workers that have been involved? Have attitudes changed kind of before your eyes? Um, we start the workshops with a QR code and we create a word cloud. So the QR code, they get it up on their phone and we ask them to put in words that they associate with addiction. And the words that come up usually are pain, drunk, um, illness, disrupted families, words like that. Um, we do the training. They hear from the experts by experience. They We talk about trauma-informed. And then we, at the end of it, we do it again. And the new words that come up are so powerful. They're hope, um, I can't even think of it, but hope, brave, all those types of things. And it just, even just doing those word clouds just shows the shift in the thinking and how people have a better understanding of what it's like. And do you know if that is directly then influencing practice? Has that been assessed? Well, we also give them evaluations at the end of the day. So we encourage them to tell us not only what they've learned, but we ask them to tell us what's go what's going to be different when you go back to your work. So they tell us in their evaluations that um, this has given them the opportunity to think about how they could improve and that they will do things differently. But not only that, they're going to share it with the people back in their teams Um to suppose spread that learning and each time this training has well we thought at the start this was going to be a one-off event we should have known it was never going to be a one-off event it's just too good and the word of mouth has meant that we always have a waiting list people want to come and, and attend this training so we know that it's making a difference we can feel the impact but if you were in the room as well Andy you can see it you know yeah. it's, it's a very strong powerful sense that people again are able to sort of reflect honestly and and be open to learning whatever it is they need to understand better from Sarah Lee and the other members of the Parents Forum. And what did you learn most, Claire? I never cease to be amazed by how overwhelmed I am. Uh, every single time I hear Sarah Lee and the others speak, I get goosebumps. I'm moved myself. Every single time we do this training, we learn something new. And um, I suppose the main thing that I think is... That thing that that um, Sarah described, the difference that one person can make, and whilst that can feel like a huge sense of responsibility for a social worker, it also makes you feel, wow, I can be the person that's that helps this person to continue to keep going, to survive, to feel supported, to feel cared about. Um, what a privilege that is! So that's Amazing. probably and Sarah. Well, Claire stole my answer, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I suppose I've learned the value of having experts by experience involved because like Claire said it at the start, we can stand up and we can do PowerPoints and we can dictate the information. But actually when you hear it so real and so raw, the learning is so much more powerful. Wonderful. And Sarah Lee, I'm going to finish with you. What have you learned most from the whole process? Um, I've learned I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> There is, right? Um, when I was in rehab, I got a yellow card for not talking, and Sorry. now I need shares with OT. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, I, I can't say that I, I, I've learned too much about social work. Do you know what I mean? Because that's their job, and you need to do a decree to learn all that. And um, for loving their money, I wouldn't do it. 
and that's the truth. Do you know what I mean? I would not do their job, and that's it. Um, but you know, I've learned a lot. Um, one of the other parents um, that delivers, she's a grandparent, and she delivers this training as well along with us, and she shares her experience, and she cares for her grandchildren. Um, the same way as my mother cared for my daughter, you know, and when you're an alcoholic, as uh, you know, this is a family disease. This affects everybody. And um, I wasn't a very nice person. And that's the truth, Andy. I was very aggressive. I was very angry. And I hurt a lot of people. And that's something that I had to come to realize in my recovery. Um, and by, you know, by listening to this other lady uh, in the parents' forum, and she's a grandparent, I've understood a lot of where my own mother and my own family have come from. And I've understood where they were. And vice versa, she has says to me, it's her daughter as an addict, and she has says to me that from listening to me, she now understands where her daughter is, um, where she never understood her daughter before. And from listening to me, she has now an understanding of her weaker you know, of where her daughter is and why she is the way she is. As I said before, nobody nobody sets out to become an alcoholic or an addict. Nobody. This isn't a choice. This is an illness. But this is an illness that you can recover from if you get the right support and you get the right guidance. And one word that hasn't been said today, you need to give these people hope. If they have no hope, then there's no, there, you know, you need to give them a better hope, you know. And even if it's the tiniest, tiniest bit, and you can hold on to that. And that's what I did. And I fought and I fought and I fought damn hard. You know, I'm nothing special, aren't I? You know, there's millions of me's out there. I just got the voice to say, <laughs> to shout about it. You could say, Sarah there are millions of special people out there. Maybe that's there a be- better way to look at it. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, Sarah Lee, Claire, Sarah, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Andy.